This is Buck's First Thoughts, the news you need to get through your day in 45 minutes. Make sure you subscribe on the iHeart app or wherever you get your podcasts. Team, I can't say enough about this audience and how amazing all of you are. Um, Many of you have been with me now for almost 10 years. Uh, Many of you have been a part of this journey with me for for really every step of the way, and others have just joined in the last few months, last few weeks. And I am humbled every day that you give me your time, that you are willing to, with, with all the options I know that are out there, to listen to, to watch, to just to consume content, that you spend your time with me every day is honestly, in, in, in a way, amazing to me and, and sacred to me. And I am deeply appreciative of it. I really am. I mean, my family makes fun of me. I do, I do feel like I say this aw shuck stuff, but I really mean it. I'm so humbled by the fact that people across the country, hundreds of thousands of you every day are listening to this show. And I, I think it's deeply meaningful and I, I greatly appreciate it. So here's my... Uh, announcement in case you don't know uh, I am moving time slots Um, I have been premier radio networks syndicated host for this is now my fifth year uh, from six to nine a lot of you listen to me on a little bit of a delay or you listen to the podcast but six to nine has been my official time slot I am moving within the next 30 days uh, to the Rush Limbaugh slot 12 to 3 as a co-host with Clay Travis, who I'm sure many of you are familiar with from his uh, really successful and excellent sports radio uh, show and, and podcast. So, yes, I, I am going to be moving into the radio real estate, so to speak, that has opened up since the uh, since the passing of the greatest radio host of all time the true radio icon of our time rush limbaugh but i'm moving into the 12 to 3 slot i'll be co-hosting with clay and this will mean that my voice will be a part of a co-host of the biggest radio show in america within 30 days the largest by audience in in the country and that's pretty amazing and that's something that i i have to say thank you to all of you about this because you listen because you appreciate the work and the integrity and the consistency that is going into this show every day and it's a i'm, I'm hugely thankful to uh premier radio networks and iHeartMedia for this uh, enormous i mean vote of confidence barely even covers it i mean th- this is a game changer team for team buck we, we are going now to the millions and millions of listeners a day level. I am thrilled that it's, I'm going to be doing this with Clay Travis. We've already been doing some, uh, some test shows together in the background just to get our, our bearings, just, just practice shows. Um, so if I've sounded a little tired in recent weeks, you have a better sense as to why. But it's amazing. I mean, here I am, a, a kid who started out with a speech impediment, And had to go to speech therapy lessons as a kid. And people made fun of me because I could not pronounce my name. I usually tell this on my birthday. Every year I kind of give a a version of this story. But it's all true. My mom, my dad, my siblings, they would all tell you. I, I went through early life with the name Buck. But I spent years saying my name was 
but because I had pronunciation difficulties. I, I, was not, uh, I was not good at speaking. And God bless my parents and my family, who I get a little emotional even just thinking about how supportive they've been my whole life. But I, I'm blessed to have an amazing mom and dad and two incredible brothers and a wonderful sister. Um, and, and yes, I have a, a beautiful girlfriend whose name is not actually the Snow Princess, but we will we like to keep some degree of privacy and anonymity there. Um, but my, my family has been with me for a very long time, and uh, obviously, and they've been amazing at, at every step of the way. And that meant when I was a kid and I couldn't even pronounce my, I could imagine not being able to pronounce your own name. It's one thing to have some words that come up, but I would introduce myself and people would think that I was pulling some kind of gag or something. How, how can you not be able to say your own name? Uh, so I got speech therapy lessons and then... I ended up on the speech and debate team in high school and did quite well and then went off to the CIA. I never thought I was even going to work in conservative media. And within 30 days, give or take, we're not we haven't set an exact date yet, but roughly the next month, I'm going to be uh, taking the microphone on, on the biggest stage in radio in the United States. And I think, therefore, it's fair to say the world so that's a pretty remarkable circumstance. And it's just because every time I ask people on this show, every time I said to all of you, please pass the buck, tell somebody about this show. I've gone through this now for years with I have no marketing. I've never raised a dollar of investment money for my show in terms of, you know, outside investors to do anything for Buck Sexton. Uh, I've never had a a marketing budget to speak of. I've, I've never been. I just, you know had an opportunity to be on some great radio stations and then you listen. So the numbers were strong. So I got on more radio stations and you all told people, Hey, you should really give this guy a chance. You know? Yeah. He's, you know, a New York city kid and uh, he comes out of the CIA and sometimes he can be a little, uh, I don't know, curmudgeonly or intense or whatever, but he, he does a really worthwhile radio show. If you, if you're somebody that cares about politics and current events, and so you pass the buck, and that's why we're at this point. I mean, to be here in in less than 10 years to get to the point where I'll, I'm going to be stepping in to the, the greatest radio time slot, and thanks. I, I owe Rush Limbaugh more than I can begin to say, but obviously he created this industry, really. He was the first, and he built the 12 to 3 time slot to be what set the agenda for conservatism. You know, there's the Rush show, and then at night a lot of people will watch Fox and Primetime. But those are really the, the juggernauts. Those are the, are the grand platforms of conservative media. I mean, nothing else really, nothing else comes close in terms of numbers, in terms of influence. And when Rush was doing his thing, I think we all know that he was setting the agenda, and then everybody else came, came after that. Uh, so to have that... Look, it's a responsibility. I'm very aware of the fact it's a big responsibility. I'm very aware of the fact that I'm going to be stepping in to do a show that is the, is the show known to be hosted by the greatest, the greatest rather radio host of all time. And that's that's a lot. Right. And we are in a point in our country's history when politics are particularly acrimonious and nasty and polarized and all of that is very true and I, i'm not in this game 
just because I, I like the business of it or I enjoy radio. I actually want to help the country. I want to fight for this country. This is why I do what I do every day. There are other things where I could make lots of money and have a whole lot more free time and more of a personal life, but this really matters to me. And this show, every day that I've done it already, even on a smaller scale, has been meaningful to me and I hope has been meaningful not just to all of you, but at some level to the national conversation. And it's just a blessing. And I'm, I'm a, little, uh, a little tired out today because this has been a lot getting to this point. And when the announcement finally comes out and is, is public as it is now, I can kind of breathe easy. But it almost feels like at the end of a marathon here. So um, that's, that's really where we are. I, I mean it from the bottom of my heart. I'm so thankful for all of you who listen and for the time you've given me and for the ability to, to create this show and make it into something meaningful. And also a big thanks to producer Mark, who has been my right hand here for, for now, I don't know how many, Mark, how many years has it been? About two years now. Two years. Mark has been with me. But, I mean, during the pandemic, I mean, it was just basically my life was, was hanging out with producer Mark to do this show, occasional visits from the Snow Princess and Tallulah the French Bulldog for over a year. <clears throat> Excuse me, for over a year. And so it's uh, it's been quite a thing. And, and Mark, you know, you've become a voice that's known on the show. And and, uh, you know, we, we've got we got big plans for Mark, too, folks. So don't worry. Things are things are all in process. It's all happening. So, you know, this is uh, this is where we're going. Uh, this is the this is the future. I'm so thankful. Appreciate all the messages you've already been sending me. I know the Wall Street Journal sent out a huge push notification and I've never gotten so many messages at once on my I, I felt like my phone had been hit with a missile or something it just my phone was blowing up all over the place and uh it's amazing and i'm i'm thankful i'm humbled and for me i mean this is the equivalent of maybe not winning the super bowl but getting to the super bowl winning is going to be creating a great show with clay travis uh really making it meaningful for people providing a a voice of of insight, entertainment, comfort in this crazy country that feels like it's just losing its mind sometimes. Uh, I, I, you know, we're just going to do the absolute best show we can every day and make it all worth your time. So this show will continue for at least the next uh, month or so, as it is. That's the plan. And so if, and if you listen to me on podcast, I want you to know that the Buck Sexton podcast will also continue. So don't think that's going away. We're going to be doing a Buck Sexton podcast uh, probably before the 12 to 3 show every day. Be about 30, 40 minutes, just me riffing and doing my thing. And then I'm going to sit in the studio with Clay. That That's our plan. So don't think that the Buck Sexton podcast is going away. Um, but we're going to be doing this show 12 to 3. It'll be the, the it's the biggest radio platform in America. And uh, here I am telling you that this is really happening it doesn't feel all that real to me yet but with each passing hour i think it gets more real so i just want to send to all the team out there to all of you listening across america um i just want to send you a big hug and thank you and you're all amazing and so many people in this audience that i've been writing to and and texting and messaging with for years you've been so You've just been so awesome. And on my worst days, on days when it felt like 
you know, I, I, I've done this show when I've had, you know, a terrible, uh, you know, stomach illness and celiac disease that I didn't even know what it was and migraines and through breakups in my personal life. So, you know, illness and, and you know, emotional stuff in my life and everything else. And you were always I, I know sometimes people feel like the radio host is there for them. You all you all were always there for me. And I, I hope you'll all join me at 12 to 3. And it's a celebration team. Pretty amazing. I don't anticipate that the durability of the vaccine protection is going to be in infinite. It's, it's just not. Right. So I would imagine we will need at some time a booster. What we're figuring out right now is what that interval is going to be. We know from studies following people from the original clinical trials that the protection goes out at least six months and likely a year. But we don't know right now how long that will be. So what we're doing is we're following those cohorts because there's a level of protection that's called a correlative immunity. And we know that if you're above that level, you're in quite good shape to be protected. The, the vaccine itself gives you a level up here. So how long it takes to start coming back down, we're following it. So we could have to get booster shots at some point. So I, I, I just want to be very clear. We we're now operating in this world where we think, OK, we've gotten past the madness of, of covid. Uh, we've gotten past the point where um, Fauci can get away with saying any absurdity that he wants to. But we still have the prospect of this returning in the future. I, I want everyone to be very clear on that. This is not over with for those who say, Buck. Why do you why do you um, keep talking about masking and social distancing and the regulations and all this stuff and how crazy it is? It's because I'm I'm telling you they're not done now. Maybe they're not able to get back to where they want to be with the control, with the authority they had, but they're not finished with us yet. Fauci and the rest of them, they think they've done a good job because if they didn't accept that narrative, if they did not believe that they had done a good job, think about what that would mean. If they had been wrong, as Fauci has been this whole time, think about what they've put the country through unnecessarily with the mask mania and the lockdowns and just the constantly changing expert advice. People have less faith in doctors now and in the medical community than they did before the pandemic. I think that's pretty clear, at least when it comes to health policy experts, maybe not your personal MD, your personal physician. Um, but in terms of everyone else out there who's talking about the public health measures. Yeah, it's a it's pretty. Pretty remarkable that this is the situation that we're in. It's pretty remarkable that these are the circumstances in which we find ourselves because they've been wrong so often. And yet we're supposed to think that they're not going to be wrong again in the future. Here's Fauci on, you know, his biggest flip flop recently had to do with the they're studying the bats. You know, you wouldn't study them in Virginia, in Fairfax. You got to study them in China. Well, here he is on. He's not he wasn't wrong. He just had to adjust things a little bit. Play six. I have always said that the high likelihood is that this is a natural occurrence. I didn't dismiss anything. I just said it's a high likelihood that this is a natural occurrence 
from the environment of an animal reservoir that we have not yet identified. Well, and I still maintain that, but as, as I just mentioned to the response to other questions, that since you don't know 100% about that, because no one knows, including me, 100% what the origin is, is the reason why we're in favor of further investigation. You know, I just want to know more. I'm in favor of the further investigation. And yeah, yeah, sure you are. Now he's in favor of further investigation. Be before it was a, uh, it was much less clear that that was what, because they were, they were really shutting down the narrative that Donald Trump was using. And that's because they had to oppose whatever Trump said. It didn't really matter. Oh, here, you know, you look back, and you start to, to pull at some of the headlines and see what was being said. There was such a sense of certainty and authority that they had on all this. And it just wasn't true. It wasn't real. It wasn't accurate. But it was more important to seem right at the time and to use certainty to achieve that perception than to actually be correct on the facts, than to actually be correct on the substance. So that's... That's a huge lesson learned here. And you and I have learned it because we pay attention to this. But the, the rest, the others out there, I'm telling you, the Fauciites, they're still wearing masks. Think about this. I've been telling everybody. I walk around New York City now. There are people that are outdoors wearing masks. And they'll tell you, people will defend this and say, oh, they're just being careful. So if they're being careful... I'm sure they're vaccinated, right? I mean, if you're somebody who's scared enough about this virus, you're going to wear a mask outside. You must be scared enough that you're going to get vaccinated. And so now you've got vaccinated people outdoors wearing masks just to give you a sense of how this is not something that is just going to fade away easily. This was a mass psychological control experiment that was run in this country. Of course, there was a very deadly real virus. I'm not saying that, but there was a, a side effect of this was the psychological control experiment. And it did not go well for those those of us who believe in liberty. As we headed to Memorial Day weekend, the summer months ahead are always a great reminder of how lucky we are to be Americans. From time with friends and family, backyard barbecues, road trips, ball games, hitting the beach, the lake, wherever, you name it. It's also a great time to show how proud we are to be Americans. And part of the way we do that is by flying the American flag in front of our homes and not just any American flag. I recommend one that you could rest assured won't tangle around a pole or get mildewed, torn, shredded or any of that stuff, because it constantly happens to flags out there when they're not the right kind. That's why you have to check out my friends at Allegiance Flag Supply. They make the highest quality American flags and accessories. And by the way, they do it right here in America. Go to showallegiance.com and enter promo code BUCK for 10% off your order. Check out not just the options they have for your home, but for any of you boat owners out there getting ready to put the boat back in the lake this weekend, they've got everything you need for your boat or dock. Again, go to showallegiance.com. Make sure you enter the promo code BUCK when you get to the checkout for 10% off your order. Get a beautiful, durable American flag. Show your patriotism. It's so important these days, isn't it? Get yours in time for Flag Day on June 14th. Just go to the website, showallegiance.com. Enter promo code BUCK for 10% off. And let's fly the American flag with pride everywhere this summer. It starts with you. Showallegiance.com. Promo code BUCK at checkout. Because we don't know where the novel coronavirus came from yet, the conspiracy theories fill the void. I'm telling you, the Chi-Coms are trying to weaponize this thing. 
Conservative talk show host Rush Limbaugh with zero proof suggesting a Chinese bioweapon lab is to blame. There's this question about the Wuhan lab. We know that it's been debunked. Those same agencies now have been tapped with investigating one of Trump world's most favorite conspiracy theories. This week, Donald Trump is still pushing the debunked bunkum, despite his own intelligence community's findings that that is simply not true. And there is simply no reason to believe that that is the case. There is no empirical evidence to verify that. Coming up with a conspiracy theory to try and foment xenophobia um, with respect to um, the Chinese has just as much factual support as taking Clorox. He can't just sit back and let the doctors and the scientists do their jobs. He's got to chime in. He may pick up the conspiracy theory that this was some weapon. People don't keep bats in captivity. Complete baloney. Oh, okay, so they should make fun of everybody who was right. Trump was right. Rush was right. Cotton was right. You go down the list. All these, all these people who were saying, oh, I think it came from a lab. They're, they were mocked and ridiculed. Why would they be mocked and ridiculed on a point where no one really knew the answer and there was a completely reasonable perspective based on what actual data that we had that it did come from a lab, right? But this brings me to, to what I'm, I'm really fired up about today in terms of the news cycle. Obviously, big announcement today, and in case you missed it earlier I'll be moving as the co-host 12 to 3 nationwide in the Rush Limbaugh slot, uh, co-hosting with Clay Travis, the two of us, a duo to bring talk radio, you know, further into the future uh, to just continue on the legacy and, and to build and to bring in hopefully new generations to listen. And that's that's our plan. But we're going to be uh, we're going to be going for it. And so that's where my mind is today. So if I sound at all scattered or anything, folks, it's not because of anything other than today is probably the biggest day in my professional career now yet. So that's that's a lot to uh, to handle. It's it's, you know, I, I like I've said before, I've had to do the show under all kinds of circumstances. Um, but a day like this where there's really honestly so much celebration, but also recognition of responsibility, it's 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 hit me. It's hit me right now. So. I'll just do what I do, focus in on the work. Facebook was suppressing stories uh, about this. Facebook was suppressing anybody who was trying to push the idea. And it, it was a theory. No one, it's not that anyone said it was absolute, but it was a theory. And the social media giants decided that you weren't allowed. You were not allowed to, to share this idea out there. You were not allowed to tell people this on their platforms because they were so sure that it was wrong. We ran this experiment, as I've said, in authoritarianism. It was like a one-year trial of authoritarianism. And we ran this experiment in such a way that we were able to see who really thinks that they should have the right to control public perception and public communication. And yes, it's the authoritarian left, the Democrat Party, but the social media giants were awful on this. And we should never forget what they did. We should never forget that they allowed, you know, idiot English literature majors who work in the, you know, either the fact checking or the customer service or the customer experience or whatever departments of Facebook. And these are not the 
the actual engineers or anything that built these systems, but the people that get to make determinations about policy within them are a bunch of you know, left wing liberal arts grads who don't know a thing about a thing, but they're able to tell you that you're not allowed to have your um, not not even belief, just you're not even allowed to posit a theory, one that was always rooted in in data and one that was always rooted in, in fact, but you weren't necessarily clear on. Think about how much this undermines also our belief that we're allowed to have conversations in this country about, oh, everything from. You know, vaccines and vaccine policy to how we would deal with a pandemic in the future. They said, shut up. You're not allowed to disagree. And they did that on major issues where they were wrong. They were wrong. Now, I, I think that's deeply uh, concerning for us. It's, it's one thing to, to be chasing down flat earthers. And I know that's what they thought they were doing. Right. Their belief, at least. Some of them, I I think others recognize that this was just a power play, but at some level, their belief was that they were they were eliminating uh, factually egregiously wrong stuff. But what do we do about the fact that they were wrong? Well, what is what is the takeaway from this? How do we how do we go forward as a society in response to the fact that those who have the most power to control conversations across the country those who have the most influence they are in fact the ones who are the most egregiously wrong enormously catastrophically on the wrong side of many issues whether it was school reopened for children whether it was the shutdown of the wuhan lab escape theory in so many areas they just were making it up as they were going along and I, I've just I got to tell you, um, that's going to be something that we have to address because you don't think that they're going to give this power up willingly going into the next election. I mean, going into things in the future where the narrative really matters a whole lot. And where does the narrative matter more than in a presidential election? Right. Where does perception matter more than in politics? And and that's why, um, you know, I think we're at a point where we have to take the power of big tech away or else there'll be no future in which we could even conceive of it. We have to find ways to nullify this advantage in what is really a psyop campaign. And when they can tell you that you can't say something because it's untrue and it is true and there's no consequences for them. Yeah, they did it during a pandemic, but they also did it about the election They're also going to do it about the next election. I can assure you of that. And they don't do it to their own side. Russia collusion, completely fine. No problem with that whatsoever. Russia collusion, they were also happy with that. And that's because it was advancing their narrative. It was advancing what their side wanted. And as as I just see this continue on here, we ignore this as conservatives, as Americans, we ignore this at our peril. I'm still enraged, honestly, very, very angry about what all these tech companies did to shut down free speech at a time when we needed more speech when we needed a greater ability to share thoughts that were contrary to the dominant narrative. 
And there needs to be accountability and it should be scorched earth. I mean, whatever we can do to hobble big tech's uh, ability to do this going forward, we should do whatever can whatever actions can be taken. um, That's what needs to happen. And uh, I, I wish I could say that there was a clear roadmap here that we knew exactly where all this is going. But I can tell you this. Elections in this country are going to be very tight at the national level for the foreseeable future. And if they can shut down information and people that spread conservative thoughts, ideas, values, if they can shut us down with impunity, they will continue to do so. Now it's now the cat's out of the bag. Now we see what the real idea is here, what they're really trying to accomplish with all that they do. And it is complete information dominance in order to control America and make it effectively impossible for us to fight back. All right, I've got my friend Jesse Kelly with us now. He is a syndicated radio host in his own right of The Jesse Kelly Show. Also, my brother on The First TV, where he has I'm Right with Jesse Kelly on every night. And like me, he was one of the few from the very beginning who refused to bend the knee to the mass cultists, to big tech, to their suppression, all of it. Jesse, What's it feel like to be right, my man? Well, it's a heavy burden that I carry around all the time, Buck. I, I'm just so used to it by this point. It's a no, no, seriousness. Oh, by the way, before we get going, is it awkward if I congratulate you? Because I know every single person and their brother has congratulated you today, and I don't just want to be that guy, but I am very happy for you, and it's well-deserved. That's one. Two, it feels good being right, Buck, but would, it would honestly make me feel better if I thought everyone had learned their lesson so they didn't trust the system the next time. And I, let me ask you, man, do you feel like they've learned their lesson? No. I don't, I, I don't, I no. don't hear a lot of accountability out there. I don't think I've heard one person step up and say, ooh, you know, I kind of blew that. I'll do better next time. Absolutely not. There's been no accountability for those who were wrong. And, you know, a perfect example of this is in my building, Jesse, where I live in New York City. Uh, they have left up now. Now. There's no official word during COVID. We would get these, you know, you better mask up or else building policy, health department, blah, blah. That they were they were all about it. But now that it's no longer even even in New York, I mean, we're not quite as, as cool as Texas where you are. But even in New York, there's no more. If you're vaccinated, you know, you're, you're allowed. And we all know that that also means we're just kind of on the honor system now. And, and people are just going to do what they're going to do, basically, about about masking indoors. But they're they've told me this. The building manager told me they they won't pull down their wear a mask signs in, in all public places because people are so scared. So I'm, I'm walking around saying, basically, we've got a bunch of, you know, 30 to 50 year olds in my building wearing masks. They're all vaccinated. OK, they're all vaccinated. They're wearing masks and we can't pull the signs down because they've been so conditioned that they're too frightened to deal with the new reality of living normal lives. Well, what's that? You've seen that movie. You, everyone's seen the great movie Shawshank Redemption, right? And, and, and the old guy, I think his name was Red, who finally gets let out of prison, and he can't, he can't deal with it. He ends up hanging himself in some grungy little apartment because he cannot deal with freedom. Now, I understand that may be a little bit of a hammy analogy, but it's 100% true with what we're dealing with, Buck. People have been told, you're going to die, you're going to die, you're going to die, grandma's going to die, your kids are going to die, everyone in America's going to die. If you, why don't you wear a mask? You're going to kill everybody. And in, in, in especially the soft brain people in this society, I don't know that there is a way to deprogram those people, Buck. I've argued, and people think I'm nuts, I think it'll take 10 years before you see all the masks 
come off. We have convinced people time and time again, the entire system told them millions would die. How do you all of a sudden stand up now and say, oh, hey, you're good. People, people can't think like that. Their minds don't work like that. It'll be a long time, man. And I'm not trying to. And we're speaking of Jesse Kelly, host of the Jesse Kelly Show. You can also listen to his podcast if you listen to podcasts. Uh, Jesse, I, I'm not trying to make a, a stretch here with this with this uh, this next leap, but it may sound like it to some. The the Biden administration is trying to mirror the Obama administration in as many ways as it possibly can. The strategies, the rhetoric, we're seeing we're seeing this all right. This is. This is the third Obama term without Obama as president. And and Biden is effectively just a vessel for the Obama machinery of the Democrat Party to do what it wants to do. And they love using a crisis and the compliance from the public that that brings to push things. You know, before it was it was the financial crisis of 2008 and all these things were getting done. And oh, you need health care and oh, you need a trillion dollar stimulus. What I see here is they're not yet they're not yet satisfied with the amount of bending of the knee they had from COVID because they haven't been able to push it into the into their preferred policies, which is why they're now talking about a six trillion dollar spending bill from by six trillion dollar budget. In addition to the trillions of spending on infrastructure and other things, they've they've got a crisis, Jesse, and they're not letting it go to waste. They don't because that's their mentality, Buck. I mean, you just nailed it. You always do that. You nailed it. That's their mentality. Now, it's why every Democrat I've ever known, for the most part, is a miserable human being. At the same time, they do get wins all the time in politics because they're never happy. I mean, what did COVID do for the Democrats? Well, let's see. It let them bounce a sitting president who, bombastic as he was, was wildly, insanely successful, both economically and foreign policy-wise. COVID allowed them to bounce that man from power and give Democrats power. But the beauty of Democrats, the way they handle their business, and we should probably be more like this, they don't take the presidency and the House and the Senate and then sit back and take even five minutes and say to themselves, oh, man, we nailed this. No, the second they get there, it's what else can we destroy? How else can we wreck this country? We must advance constantly. And it's why a small minority of communists have managed to take over every cultural institution in this country in the course of about 50, 60 years. I like that you throw around the term communist to talk about them. I mean, I'll refer to them as commies, which is clearly meant to just be disparaging, but also go to their root ideology. You know, Jesse, that there are going to be people who say that's not fair. They're not really communists. They're democratic socialists or, you know, they're progressive Democrat, whatever. They'll, they'll prefer some other uh, some other terminology. Just I want, I want you to tell me and all the folks listening why why do you think that communists is the way to actually refer to these hardcore leftists? Well, people would pretend communism is somehow complicated, but this is the problem they make. Whoa, no, we, they haven't seen, seized the means of production yet. Things like that. Communism is not complicated, people. Communism is simply the promise of power in exchange for hurting the people you blame for your problems. That's all communism has ever been. That's all communism is now. That's why it's not economic in America. It's more shifted to race and sex and things like that. It always takes that form. And that is the Democrat Party's policy form. Let me ask everybody who doubts that they're communists. I want you to imagine the Democrat primary when all those candidates were up there. Imagine one candidate besides Tulsi Gabbard answering the question, tell me what you love about America. Imagine what one of them would said. Not one of them would have had an answer to that question at all. Because they don't love America, they want to destroy America, just like all communists have done. Communism is a religion of domination and destruction. That's what the Democratic Party has become. Jesse, 
what is your case for optimism going into this uh, this holiday weekend and, and a summer when at least we'll be able to breathe a little more freely? Uh, I watch America waking up, Buck. These numbers of people moving out of states, moving out of California, moving out of New York to places that are more free. Now, granted, that makes me sad for California. That makes me sad for New York. I don't like to just toss states aside. But that tells me the American people do not want to live under tyrannical governments. They will choose to live in places where they can be free. And they're waking up to the gigantic scam that is the system. The people are waking up. Jesse Kelly, everybody. Check out the Jesse Kelly Show. Listen to his podcast wherever you get podcasts. My man, Jesse. Always appreciate it. We'll talk soon. Congrats again, my brother. I'm proud of you. My buddy Ben Ferguson is in the house, and he joins us now to talk about all the latest and greatest. He is the host of the Ben Ferguson Show on podcast and radio. Mr. Ben, how's life from Tennessee? You, you know, I was worried there for a minute that, you know, with all the big news about you uh, taking over the Limbaugh spot, that I was, you know, you're going to have to change your cell phone number, and then you're, you know, you'd have to shut down all your accounts so us commoners couldn't get in touch with you anymore so i'm glad to know that we you're still keeping the same number big dog right yeah i mean uh, you know so far so far so good the trolls haven't found me yet so that's <laughs> that's the good they, news they will don't worry don't oh worry. man i know I'm, in I'm, all seriousness congratulations I'm, thank you so and, uh, much man dude it's uh it, when you when you get that phone call that i'm sure you got there's a a pinch yourself moment just knowing that all the hard work uh, of your entire career paid off. And I, I mean it as sincerely as possible. And I hope you celebrate the moment. I hope you step back and just enjoy the moment uh, and realize what you've accomplished in your career by, by, by getting named to the biggest gig in radio. It's a, it's a life dream. Many people don't ever even get the chance uh, to be even be considered for something like this. And, and you, you and I have talked about this, but I want to say it publicly you and I both know no one's ever going to replace Rush Limbaugh, but if there's anybody to keep the torch alive and keep moving forward, uh, that's going to be able to do this in an incredible way. It's going to be you and Clay, and I'm, I'm I'm fired up for you guys and excited, and, and what a what a really cool moment. So dinner's on me. Actually, no, you're the big dog now making all the money, so dinner's on you, but we'll celebrate next time I see you. I appreciate that, my man. You're, you're one of the good ones in this business, and, and I, I've always uh... – you know, always really been thankful for having someone, you know, just for you all listening. Ben is is somebody who I have been able to I, I can talk to him about radio. And, you know, I've got his back. He's got mine. You know, he's with me in the iHeart family. And, and we we share a lot of ideas and thoughts about where where all this stuff is going. So means a lot to me, man. And, and I'm and I'm somebody who very much uh, I remember I remember my friends and I know you do, too. So as as this all as this all shakes out. You're going to be hearing more Ben Ferguson on the, uh, well, on the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton show and then also the Buck Sexton podcast. But you all should check out the Ben Ferguson podcast where he does an excellent show. And I will say I, I do do still need to go. I was promised uh, I was promised world class barbecue at your restaurant in Memphis and shooting machine guns in Tennessee so this is what I was told is going to happen. Don't think I've forgotten about this. <laughs> <laughs> so the only place I'm ever going to buy you a meal again is at my restaurant. Outside of that, I've always wanted a rich radio friend. You're now officially that guy. So you're paying when we go out anywhere else. But in Memphis, yes, Ferguson's Barbecue is on me, I can promise you. So, man, how, how are you feeling about, let, let's just take a step back here. State of the country right now, this Biden administration, what we see going on. 
I, I feel like the, the bloom is off the rose a little bit. Yeah, there's the libs and they're crazy and they'll say he's great. But I think people are starting to realize, oh, this is really bad. <laughs> this is this is making your life harder, more expensive, less free, you know, with with very little upside for a whole lot of folks across the country. Yeah, I, I think there's there's two hypotheses here. Either one. Uh, we got lied to directly by Joe Biden, and he's laughing all the way to the communist bank, right? He's no moderate Joe, as he described himself kind of during the campaign. Or the second uh, theory, and I think this is the one I lean more towards, and that is he's really not running the country, and he's totally out of touch with what actually is happening, and people are abusing uh, his inaction, Right. His his lack of engagement because of whatever the hell is going on with him cognitively. Uh, and they're just running hardcore to the socialist left right now and, and doing everything they can. I mean, look at inflation right now. This is something that you shouldn't you should care about regardless of politics as prices are continuing to rise. And I saw the Biden administration say, well, you don't need to worry about inflation because we just sent you an average family. I think they said ten thousand five hundred dollars. So it will, quote, cover the inflation. Okay, well, personal consumption expenditures went up 11.3% in January through March this year. Uh, You you look at that, that's also unexpected, the Treasury has said. Uh, This is not what they were expecting, so it's bad. The Commerce Department is saying, yes, we agree that this is up, but don't worry because we sent you a bunch of free money, so it'll cover it. Well, what about the next quarter? You're going to send another check in the next quarter after that. Are you going to send another check? I'm assuming no. And then we hear that even Joe Biden is so delusional that he's got a new plan to spend even more money, trillions of dollars. And there's people scratching their head. I think even the Democratic Party now going, uh, how are you going to pay for this? How, how is it feasible to accomplish this? Now, now all of this is happening while the guy doesn't back Israel. Uh, while he's sending money to the Palestinians, while we're getting our lunch eaten by China right now uh, and what's happening with their policies with China and the fact that they're having to backtrack on the COVID-19 virus where they said, oh, it came from a wet market. We're sure it came from a wet market. And sure enough, it didn't. Ben Ferguson, everybody of the Ben Ferguson podcast. And Ben, you know, one area where I think we've also seen the delusional left and, and Biden To be fair, Biden is not quite a defund the police guy, but his party is the defund the police party. I mean, the the id, the the uh, the heart and soul of the Democrat left right now is anti cop pro BLM movement. And and I think we've all seen based in just the numbers, the violence numbers the last year that there's been no upside to this. And it's been horrible for a lot of cities all across the country. And the Democrats, this might eventually, meaning in the next election cycle, this could really come back to haunt them. And it should. I think that's the most important thing to remember. Well, it should. And the numbers, if you look at this, just the new numbers that came out recently, the the support for Black Lives Matter has plummeted in this country. I mean, totally plummeted because people are tired of living uh, in hell and seeing these high crime numbers that are continuing to come out. Uh, of areas where we have defunded or pushed to defund the police. I mean, look at the murder rates, and this is only murder rates year over year. Philadelphia up 40%. Minneapolis is up 56%. Portland, uh, where they're having just total riots nightly now, up 800%. 
New York City's up 22%, Chicago's up 22%, Los Angeles up 27%, DC up 35%. All of these cities have two things in common. Black Lives Matter has taken over, the elected officials have abandoned and dehumanized the police, and they've all moved in some shape, matter, or form to defund the police. So now you're having people that can get out that are getting out. I mean, hell, you're in New York, right? You know this. How many of your friends have left saying, I'm never coming back. I'm not going to live in this city any longer that is so anti-police and, and is shutting down businesses and small businesses and destroying an economy. You combine these two things together to where we are now. And I do think there's going to be hell to pay come midterm elections. because. And But there's some Democrats that I really think are okay with their opposition, and that's how they see many of the people that are leaving, leaving. They're going, good, you leave, and I don't have to worry about you voting against me. You leave the city, and I will own this city, even if it is a hellhole like a Detroit, for example, where I'm totally in control. I mean, that's what the, the recent police chief in Detroit said as he's thinking about running a, for governor in Michigan. He's like, they abandon a city and then seize power, and we're fine with it. That is a problem. And he's absolutely right. You know, the another area where I also think that not only is the Biden administration vulnerable politically, uh, but but I think that people are going to realize in time that they have no and there's no way they're going to be able to stop this vulnerability. I mean, they, they actually aren't going to be able to really moderate their position or, or fix it. And that's at the southern border. You know, I just had uh, earlier this week. Uh, senator from your home state, Marsha Blackburn in Tennessee on. And yeah. people think of and I was just down at the border recently, Ben, and people think of it as a as a Texas, New Mexico, Arizona issue, maybe a California and New York issue because the big cities and the, and the magnet for a lot of illegal illegal immigrants to come to into those uh, those job markets. Um, but it's also an everywhere issue in this country. She was telling me that in Tennessee, there are illegal alien children who are being flown in by HHS uh, sometimes in like the middle of the, the night. Middle of the night. And, yeah, in the and, middle of the night in Chattanooga, Tennessee, and none of the locally elected officials were even told this was happening. What's even more corrupt is not only are they flying these kids into Chattanooga, for example, but then they're immediately in the middle of the night at 2.33 in the morning putting them on a bus and driving them all the way down to Miami, Florida, or driving them back uh, to Dallas, Texas, for example, I would argue that's a form of child abuse. You, you put a kid on a plane without a parent in the middle of the night. You fly them to an undisclosed location in their mind, and then you take them so no one can see them and put them on buses. Uh, and then you put them on these buses where they're not allowed to leave the buses for 20 hours, for 18 hours. Uh, and those numbers aren't, aren't, aren't a joke. If you look at the bus routes and, and what they drive, which is the speed limit, right? To get down to Miami from Chattanooga or to get from Chattanooga back to Dallas uh, and, and not allowing the kids ever to leave the bus, I would argue that's a form of child abuse. Speaking of Ben Ferguson, host of the Ben Ferguson podcast and radio show, you should all check out uh, what, what he's doing over there. You can subscribe to it wherever you listen to podcasts. Ben, uh, it seems to me that there's a, a clear possibility. I mean, I tweeted yesterday that it's it's – Likely in my mind that Ron DeSantis will be president. It's just a question of when. But there are still these uh, messages being put out by President, former President Trump, and there's a lot of people who are saying they're you know ninety percent sure, ninety five percent sure. What do you think right now? What, what do you think the temperament of the conservative base is about this? What do they see? What do they want? 
Look, I, I think regardless of what the media tries to sell us, this party right now is still the party of Donald Trump. That could change depending on the outcome of the midterm elections. If Donald Trump gets on the campaign trail and does what he does so well in these rallies with the lifting uh, of all these COVID insane restrictions, and he's able to flip the House and add in the Senate maybe, or flip the Senate, I guess technically, from where we are right now, then it's his if he wants it. Now, if he doesn't, I think the front runner is certainly Ron DeSantis at this point. And there's a lot of people that like Ron DeSantis because he's gotten pretty much everything right with COVID. Uh, he's a lot like Donald Trump, I would argue, a little bit more polished and less mean tweets, which many in the establishment may appreciate. And there's some that just hate Donald Trump and the GOP, uh, and they hate him so much uh, that they're ready to move on to anybody else. Now, you, you, but you also look, there's still a civil war happening right now within the D, the GOP. Uh, I mean, look at the arrogance of former Speaker of the House, former vice presidential candidate, uh, Paul Ryan, whose who's quote in the headline from CNN today made me laugh. He says he's going to enter the GOP's civil war by criticizing Trump. I would argue who gives a crap, right? I mean, no one gives a crap. And he says we've got to move. And, the, you know, of course, he leaks these excerpts, excerpts of the speech. He's going to give it the Reagan library in translation. He called a reporter and said, you want part of my speech? We're going to criticize Trump because he wants a headline. But he says apparently in his speech he's going to give. Uh, he said, quote, the Republicans must move away from the populist appeal of one personality because then we're not going anywhere. What's so ironic about this is he's going to give this speech at the Ronald Reagan presidential library. And Ronald Reagan was to the GOP exactly what Donald Trump is the GOP right now. And to say at Ronald Reagan's library that you can't have a one man, one personality lead a party is insanity because that's exactly what Ronald Reagan actually did. Remember, Ronald Reagan was the anti-establishment choice when he got the nomination in 1980. Uh, the, the safe choice, if you remember, was George Bush. 41. And there was a big war. And then to bring people back together, Ronald Reagan picked the adversary. They had a nasty battle. And a lot of people don't remember this. Uh, and, and he said, all right, let's bury the hatchet. Let's make everybody happy. I'll ask George Bush to be my vice president. It worked out well. But this idea that you can't have one leader of the Republican Party, which is what Paul Ryan's implying, is just stupid. And to do it at the Reagan Library, where the one man was in charge of the party, just shows how stupid these rhinos really are. My friend Ben Ferguson, everybody, check out the Ben Ferguson podcast and look for his show on weekends, the Ben Ferguson radio show. Ben, thanks so much, buddy. Be talking to you soon. Hey, man, and congrats. Enjoy the enjoy the day and celebrate it. Thank you.